USA Indoors, cancelled. All track meets at the Armory, cancelled. 80% of Japan wants the Olympics postponed or cancelled. One of the most popular threads in Let's Run from last week, will the 2021 Boston Marathon even be held? Yes, folks. Some might think it was a depressing week for running, but I don't agree with that. This is Let's Run.com co-founder Robert Johnson and welcoming you to Track Talk, joined as always by twin brother Weldon Johnson, our fighter Jonathan Galt. If you want to reach us, pick up the phone. Unlike Facebook, unlike Twitter, you can give us a call at 87786 or email the show at p.com. John, I'm not going to let that depress me. I'm upbeat. I've got a few questions for you. And, and the reason why I'm upbeat is something I don't really understand. You know, I'm not a big Twitter guy. For a long time, when Twitter first came out, I wanted to change the, the slogan at the top of Let's Run, where it says, where your dreams become a reality. I wanted to change it to, we don't tweet. But I've been told by somebody who was analyzing our stats, I got an email, they said, what an amazing week for Let's Run.com. You now have 40, more than 40,000 more Twitter followers than Donald Trump. How is that possible, John? What a week for Let's Run. Yeah, I haven't been following anything outside of running, so I don't really know. Did something happen? I don't know. I don't want to make light of it. It is interesting. We actually lost followers, Robert, because you know there were all these Twitter has purged a bunch of followers. So we went from like 42.9 thousand down to 42.8 thousand or something. Also, if you're not following us on Twitter, at letsrun.com, at jgolt13, you know, come on, guys. We're having fun out there on Twitter. You should be following us. But yeah, I guess congrats to us. Guys and gals, I, I refuse to be sexist. I'm sure there's lots of female listeners. Actually, I know there's female listeners. All right, Robert, Robert I'm going to jump in on this. When I say guys, I just mean everyone. Like, I feel like in our society, that is pretty acceptable when people say, like, hey, guys, gather around. We're not saying, hey, only members of the male sex come and gather around and talk with me. I'm saying everyone. Guys is meant to be exclusive. I know that you like to be, you know perhaps some might even say woke by saying guys and gals, Robert. But I just think guys is is everyone. It's not just men. Yeah, the tables are turned here. I mean, Robert, half the time is ranting against about PC society. Then every week he has to make this guys and gals thing. And John, I would say, is our more woke employee up there in Boston. Is now standing up for free speech. Oh, but it's good to know. I mean, contrary to popular opinion, that means we only had 100 QAnon followers on Let's Run. If we only lost 100 followers. So, and we didn't have any bots, bot accounts. So it's, it's a good week for Let's Run, apparently. So where do you guys want to start? Which of these cancellations? I mean, the, the only thing that was like, I guess the two big cancellations that actually happened were No More Meets the Armory. I mean, we already knew there wasn't going to be Milrose, and that's kind of the only meet I really care about, the Armory. And USA Indoors, it seemed inevitable at some point that meet was going to be canceled. I mean, they never, they called it canceled. Can you even cancel something that was never officially announced? They never mentioned that where this meet was going to be on their website until they actually said, oh, it's being canceled. I mean, was, several people told me it was in Albuquerque, but I'm not shocked by that. And it's, it's a little, it's a bit of a bummer not to have a national championship, but I also think, I don't know, do you guys think we're in a place where we can safely hold the national indoor track and field championships given the state of COVID where we're at right now? Is it safe to have an indoor champs like that? I, mean, I don't even know where to go with that because yes, I think they could hold the meet. The track has a lot more competitors and other stuff, but every other sport's finding a way to go on. The big picture for me, it just reiterates a couple of things. One, USATF, we shouldn't expect them to get anything done in the sport. They have a monopoly granted to them by Congress and the U.S., I guess by really by the USOPC, to host national championships. We should just expect them to do that. That's the best they can do. Private individuals are the ones carrying on, putting on these events. Paul Doyle's putting on this ESPN series. We got, you know, just this like grassroots group putting on essentially like a time trial down in Austin. There's outdoor meets in Florida this weekend. So the pandemic's making certain things clear, like what USATF's role is. And I think we're going to have to rely on private individuals to grow the sport outside of the USATF holding its national championships, Olympic trials. Like they haven't shown any flexibility during this, whereas other professional groups did. They found a way to go on. Most organizations have been holding sporting events. Well, I'm going to step in here and defend USATF somewhat. Now, I do think... I think USATF could have done more during this pandemic uh, in terms of trying to get competitive opportunities for their athletes, trying to hold national championships. To my knowledge, 
The only one they've actually hold, held was that uh, One Mile Road one last year. But here is what we've got to consider is these professional leagues, a lot of these athletes are being tested daily, like college football, NBA, all those things. There's a lot of daily tests. That's not the case for professional track and field athletes who are now, you're going to ask them to come from all parts over the country. We don't know how qualifying is going to work either because there aren't that many meets. You know, Do you go off years indoor list from 2020? I don't know, that sort of thing. So you're asking them to come all over the country to one place, um, which is, is a bit of a risk there. And it's indoors. You know, you're going to have to spread the time out, that sort of thing. It, I'm, I think it could be done. But then it's not just USATF. You need to have a willing partner in a local organizing committee that is going to stage this meet. You know, USATF isn't just doing this on their own. And I do think, from what I've heard, USATF has had discussions about trying to hold a meet safely. And they couldn't figure out a way to do it. Is money involved? Wait, wait, Probably a money issue too. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm just saying I think USATF deserves some credit. It does seem like they have tried to at least have discussions about holding this meet. Whether they went far enough, I think that's a, that's a matter you can debate. The difference is the USATF doesn't make money when they put on their nationals. Other sporting events do make money. I mean, come on. Can we have it safely? John, the Armory's been having tons of high school meets day after day, all indoor season until last week. So yes, you can have them. It's not zero risk, but it's very low risk. And again, someone remind me, yes, there's a lot of testing at the NCAA level, but please, you know, we were told by many people that there would be deaths. Last time I checked, the college football season ended yesterday or two days ago. No deaths, no serious illness for a single college football player. You know, colleges, Cornell University, was, the entire school was back. Again, lots of testing, no serious illnesses on the entire campus. So young people, this is not a dangerous disease for them. Will there be one or two cases that we hear about in the media? Absolutely. But and I know there's the thing about spreading it to the rest of society. But the reality is the vaccine is soon going to be available to the most vulnerable. And I don't know. I, I think that if USATF wanted to have leadership, yes, they could do it. I mean, you, you obviously wouldn't have fans. But you could, if, if the Army's figuring out how to get a bunch of high schoolers in there, why couldn't USATF do it? Yeah, John, I mean, what do they, you hold an indoor meet, whatever, but I, I saw nothing thinking outside of the box. I said hold the outdoor nationals, winter nationals in Florida. Just do something. Somebody step in, fill the void, put some meets on TV. And USATF just sort of said, look, we host nationals, essentially. We're not hosting our nationals. And it took private individuals to come up and do this. And I would wish the leadership for what these guys are getting paid. I thought it would come from them, and it's not. It's coming from Paul Doyle. The What's it called, John? The American Track League. You're saying, can we put on a meet? I mean, why are you even asking this question? American Track League, it's going to be, what, four meets in a row every weekend on ESPN Live? This is basically replacing the U.S. Remember when Craig Mosbach was the president of USATF, and we had the USATF Indoor Series, and it was a meet every few weeks, and it was on TV? That seemed to go by the wayside? <laughs> Private industry has figured out a way to do it. So well, congratulations it to Paul. He's not doing it for... There are fewer events. There aren't as many athletes or events in these meets. But I do... Yeah, I do think that they're going to probably... They're going to do it... Seems like they're going to do it safely. I have faith in full pull to put on a meet like that. So credit to him stepping up. But yeah, USAT... I think, Robert, the point you made... Look, USATF, what do they have to gain from holding this meet, this championships? They're probably not going to make money on it. They And how many places are going to ha hold it? Like Albuquerque, currently, they have restrictions on gatherings. It's five people in Albu the county that Albuquerque is in. And they're not allowing the University of New Mexico have home basketball or football games. They didn't play any home football games last fall. And if Albuquerque is not going to host it, which is hosted, I think, like eight of the last 11 USA indoors or something like that, where else are you going to have it? Staten Island? I don't think so because of the COVID situation in New York. Like where else? What other facility is going to volunteer with a local organizing committee to stage this meet? Because I can't really think of one. Arkansas, you could hold it there. But again, you're not going to get the money that Albuquerque was probably paying for. It. They're already hosting everything, though. They're already hosting SECs and NCAAs. They're not just going to volunteer to host USAs as well. Don't they have an indoor track now at the Cowboys practice facility in Dallas? I mean, the Cowboys averaged 28,000 fans at their football games this year. So, I mean, who knows? <laughs> Unless Jerry gets paid, he might not want to do it. But yeah, I mean, John, you have a good point. But USATF didn't step in to fill the void. And on the surface, you could say, oh, the the meet being canceled is negative. No one really cares about USA indoors that much, but I just sort of, I think the big picture of like what they do to try to host this thing isn't good, but it can reiterate like what needs to be done with the sport. 
But big picture overall, let's look at a few things for society as a whole. The armory is turned into a COVID vaccination center. That is good. The vaccine is coming out. I have good news report, personal news. My parents and aunt in Texas, they're starting to vaccinate old people. My, they're 75 years old. You know, if you're over the age of, I think, you might have to be 75. I think it might be 65. My aunt has a heart condition. They went on Saturday. They signed up. They got vaccinated. And my, like my aunt's got a heart condition. She said it was very moving. Like just people. And she's like, look, we're 75. But you see people, walkers, all walks of life lined up. So appreciative. Because especially for old people, I mean, as we know, this disease totally discriminates against the old and those with pre-existing conditions. It's a lifesaver. And if this goes on, unless people are dying, I mean, we're at record deaths. It can, we can keep going on, you know, because glass half empty survey, 80% of Japanese people want Tokyo canceled or postponed, you know? So I, I think though, by the one thing with COVID, there hasn't been a lot of forward thinking. People are evaluating, oh, the case is right now. So in the fall, everything was great. And we're like, wait, what about the winter surge? You know, like people totally didn't account for that or didn't discuss it or who knows, because we're getting it now. Let's look ahead, see where things are going to be. And despite this bad news from Tokyo, I think we're going to have an Olympics. If not, somebody needs to plan B, have a plan B ready. We're going to have a world track championship somewhere because if the Japanese people somehow don't do it, we need to have plan B. But big picture, I'm positive. Yeah, that, that article by 80% of Japan wanting it postponed or canceled comes from InsideTheGames.biz. Pretty interesting because, I mean, they're saying that you know, COVID is surging in Japan. They only had, well, they had 1,494 new cases in Tokyo. I mean, compare that to LA. I think LA County had 400,000 cases in, the, in one month. So, I mean, I guess you don't want it to get there and, and spread exponentially. It's just kind of interesting how here in the U.S. we've kind of gotten used to there being a lot of COVID and in the rest of the world, they could. All right, let's talk about a meet that did happen, an indoor track meet last weekend. Uh, colleges are starting to hold indoor track meets. Um, this one was Iowa versus Minnesota. It was a Big Ten meet. Uh, it was known as, it was called the Hawkeye Border Battle in Iowa between these two teams. And as Jesse Squire pointed out on Twitter, they did not keep score in this meet. I just don't understand. Like, so two teams competed against each other in a track meet, head-to-head, dual meet, except it wasn't dual meet because they weren't scoring. So if you go on the Iowa website, the title is Hawkeyes win 15 titles in season opener. So I guess they, they, you know, they won 15 of the events. What's going on here? What is the sport coming to? You have two teams facing each other head-to-head and they're trying to play this off as an invitational? This doesn't make any sense. Rojo, I thought you would have a rant ready to go. This is normally the sort of thing you'd go off on in the week that was. Are you losing your fastball? No, I mean, what? They had a track meet and didn't keep keep score? That's often the case. I mean, at Cornell, we had tons of meets. We kept score. We always won. But then the other teams would go home and not report the score. Syracuse would come up, get dusted by my Cornell Big Red team. And then, you know, the Syracuse release would just talk about their individuals because they didn't enter the full team. So it's a little bit unusual in a dual meet for them not to report the score. But, John, you had the tweet that I liked. Re- read it. I mean, th- this was the best reaction yeah. that uh, I-, I saw. Someone asked, I think Jesse asked, why aren't they keeping score? Yeah. And it's this guy, Michael Roth, responds, you know, two reasons why they didn't keep score. It assured no sport, fa- well, two outcomes of them not keeping score. One, it assured no sports fan anywhere will care about their teams. And two, it assured that the coaches didn't have to report a loss to their athletic director, thus keeping job security by being irrelevant. And then Jesse Squire says, it's pathetic and absolutely one of the reasons teams being cut. Then Michael responds to that. He said, this is the hard truth. Every single meet must be scored. End of story. End of story. Coaches who disagree should get into another line of work. This is killing the sport and they're complicit. Now, I don't necessarily go that far. I mean, should invitational meets be scored? I, I don't think so. Like, I don't think it really matters. But, and I'm also not totally of the opinion that, like, I've seen a lot of people, and Jesse Squire is one of them. I, I like Jesse Squire's work. I, I like, I think he thinks intelligently about the sport. But he is a big proponent of saying, like, oh, all do, we should have more college dual meets. This will really increase attention and people make people care about the sport. And I do get the argument in that, like, you know, rivalries are a real thing in college sports going up, wanting to beat the other team in those sports. But, like, I don't know. 
the tennis team's team score. I don't follow college tennis. I don't think I, I guess I'm not a tennis fan at all. But like, the regular sports fan care when your tennis team is playing another school's tennis team. Like to me, track and field. The problem is track's not popular. I don't think scoring meets and having more dual meets is necessarily going to make it. You know, that's going to solve all our issues. But I do think in this instance, if you have two teams together in the same meet competing against each other, you have to score it. There's no excuse. It's just it's it's silly and cowardly not to. The job security thing is pretty interesting because I hadn't really thought about that much. But let's say every meet was scored and you just lose all your meets. And then you go to the conference meet and you get like six or eight or whatever. It looks pretty bad. And the AD might be like, hey, this coach isn't good. Whereas now, let's say you have a sort of mediocre team and you go to these invitationals, you do all right. Then at the end of the year, you get like six or eight to the conference meet. But like you have a couple people win events and then you send one or two people to nationals. And the story you present your athletic director is like, oh, we don't have you know quite the resources. We, we're just, we just focus on a few events. You know, this is good PR for this person. And you're viewed com- it's the exact same thing and you're viewed completely differently and you keep your job for 10 years. I mean, isn't that the story of Yale track and field for the last 20 years? I mean, they, they finished near the bottom of the pack in the Ivy League. No offense, Weldon. And then, but they present to the public and to the media and alumni magazines, hey, we have a Kate Grace. We have a, uh, the, the twins. The, one of them made the Olympics. Help me, help me out, Weldon. We'll have to actually go Google here. O'Neill twins. O'Neill twins. Um, yeah, and as an alum... I kind of accept what it is, right? But you also coached in the league, and you know that like Yale doesn't get as many admits as the other schools, so they're playing with a stacked deck. But I think in track there is a lot of job security, and well, I don't know if it's all non-revenue sports, but for sure in the Ivy League, like you go, you educate your kids. You know, you, you have different priorities at some of these schools, but um, yeah, I, I, I sort of accept it that if you know the few years Yale on the men's side for sure bust up and gets like a third at the Ivy league. It's like winning for us or, f- you know, fifth we'd probably take right now. Hold on a second. I need to backtrack. There was an elite Yale track and field athlete who was also a twin. Weldon's two biggest areas of expertise, supposedly. And you had to Google to find out their name. I mean, explain yourself here. When Robert said that, I was like, wow, I'm getting old. Like, cause I, I'm like, Kate Grace is like, you know, carrying the Yale mantle right now. And I just was like, Oh my gosh, I'm thinking, blank, blanking. Um, oh, interesting. I'm here on Wikipedia right now. Kate O'Neill. She made 2004 Olympics at 10K. Interesting, her PR. All right, John, guess her PRs. 5K and 10K. She's an Olympian. 32-30 and 15-45. It's insulting, John. I mean, I expected you to guess high, but 15-21 and 31-34. Okay, well, I, I mean, you you asked me to guess, and it was mid two thousands. You, I'd never heard of her before, and U.S. running wasn't doing that well. So that I guess that was that was my reasoning. I'm sorry to insult Kate O'Neill. Clearly, you're much better than I, I didn't know who she was until two minutes ago. So sorry. Wow, uh, John, have you heard of Adam Tinford or Tin Forty? Yes, I barely though. Whoa. Ooh, that sounds kind of sexist because I've only heard the name. I just don't. I don't know anything about it. You've never heard of Kate O'Neill, but you've heard of her husband, who happens to be a man who ran at Stanford. Yeah, she's actually Kate Tinford now. Who John? He was not as good a runner as her. She made the Olympics, but I'm coming the guy who had to go Google <laughs> remember her name for a second. Well, then I can't. I can't apologize for having heard his name and not having heard her name. I'm sorry. It is a different name, so it stands out more. Like, you see it in results, so you'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember that name. Whereas, like, Kate O'Neill's, like, it's like Kate Johnson or something. Also, was he was he on, like, the 03 Stanford team or something? I feel like if he was on one of those teams... Okay, no, this is a total interlude. If he was on the 03 Stanford team, which is, like, the, one of the most legendary cross-country teams in the history of the NCAA, I probably saw his name in the results there. I, want, I feel like that's where I saw it. Yeah, he was 12th on the 2003 Stanford team. That's that's certainly where I saw his name. And it's pretty funny. This is how good the 2003 Stanford team was, if you guys don't realize. He was 12th overall. He was their fifth man. The sixth man, Don Sage. This man did not score at the NCAA Cross Country Championships. He finished 13th. This was like, this. It was totally re- ridiculous how good this team was. Wait, go through their top five. Yeah, so here's that team. Ryan Hall, second overall. He got outkicked by Dathan Ritzenhine. Legendary finish. 
Um, fourth place, Grant Robeson. Was Grant Robeson, was he an NCAA? Am I getting that right? Was he an NCAA champ in the 1500 or am I making that up? It might have been, actually. Yeah, he was the 2000. He had won the NCAA 1500 title earlier that year. Made the Olympics in 2004. See, I didn't know he made the Olympics. I just, I wasn't following running back in 2004. So um, uh, apologies to Kate O'Neill. Apologies to Grant Gra Robeson, 2003 NCAA champion. Ian Dobson, he was the third man in fifth place. He made the 2008 Olympics. I remember that. That was the first Olympic trials I watched. Louis Lucchini, he was sixth place. Um, and then Adam Tenford, 12th. Don Sage, 13th. Don Sage was also an NCAA champion in the 1500. So... Just 24 points. I don't think we're ever going to see a team that good again. Wait, Ian Dobson made the Olympics and Grant Robinson? Ian Dobson made it in 2008. I remember that. And yes, uh, Grant Robeson was, I assume Robeson, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, I don't know. He made the Olympics and was a semifinalist in the 1500 in 2004. And I know high schoolers, we have a lot of high schoolers that listen to the podcast. I'm coaching one of them. By the way, if you want to be coached by yours truly, you can find an individual plan. Go to letsrun.com slash coaching. More importantly, if you want to support the show, the average person, you should sign up for the VIP membership, get extra content, support, independent. and I'll send you a brand new t-shirt. Guys, look at this. The collector's edition. The 159.40 asterisk shirts are here. Almost totally sold out. I did not order that many of them. Pretty sweet. Black and white colors to represent the death of the sport, the death of of the meaning of times. So those are here. Go to letsrun.com slash subscribe. But I said I was talking about the high school I was listening to the show. If you want to be coached by the great man that led that Stanford dynasty, look up George Mason University. Andy Gerard is the coach, folks. This proves my point. This is why Evan Jager should dump Jerry Schumacher and come to me. If you can coach, you can coach as long as you get the talent. So Andy led that team to complete dominance. He took over after Vinland Anna left, and they were better than ever. Evan, if you're listening, better than ever, Rojo and John Kellogg will coach you up, and we won't take... We'll do it for free for this one year. When you win the Olympics, we're going to ask for 10% for next year. Speaking of the 159.40 asterisk shirts, I'm pretty sure Jeff Burns, the guest in our podcast, ordered one of those, paid with his own money. You guys should have told, you know, told him, hey, you're going to be a guest, you'll get it for free. I listened to you guys talk with Jeff last week. Excuse me, your, your Nike infomercial. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was it was pretty good. One thing I didn't understand, I posted this in the message boards, is like, I mean, the, the big picture, in case you guys didn't hear this, was we go into depth about super shoes. And he's like, look, super shoes make a big difference. You need the foam and you need the plate. And unless you have both, you, you may not be ready. And he's he's of the belief, you know, if you just had a pick, you'd go with the Nike shoe. But it's sort of interesting, right? I thought a couple things you guys didn't talk about. One, like whether the, these shoes can make you get more injured. You guys made it sound like not, but some athletes have had Achilles problems, that sort of stuff. Athletes aren't opting for the new Nike shoe, a lot of them, which is interesting. But just because all these new variables come in, come into play. But like, why do we have any regulation at all? Why set some stack? I don't understand how we can have some stack height limitation, but not none. Why why isn't it just like anything goes? Like I just don't get the rationale for allowing some regulation on the roads. I guess you don't want to have some pogo stick going down, but well, that's a good point. Weldon. I think that the, uh, we didn't ask that question and we should have, I think basically they were realizing that the shoes were getting ridiculous. The times were being totally obliterated and they wanted to try to stop it. I don't know why they, instead of banning it, you know, lo and behold, Seb Co, who used to work for Nike decides to set the rule at a stack height. That's going to let the Nike shoes stay in. So I think it was very convenient and Nike friendly, you know, and we probably should come up with a list of questions, follow-up questions for Jeff, because I even have some. So as you guys know, I'm getting my, 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 my guy, I mean, the let's run singlet will soon be breaking, hopefully 210 in the marathon, because a guy's going to give up his sponsorship and potentially run in the let's run singlet. And I've been trying to help him. I, I, I told him about the podcast with Jeff. I told him, like, look, let's compare these shoes and get them. But this is crazy. This is a joke. I, I went online. You cannot buy these shoes. The Adidas shoe, first of all, it is impossible to figure out which is because there's two shoes with almost the same name. Adidas, audio something, and audio something else. One's a flat and one's the shoe, and you can't tell the difference in the picture. It's not available. 
it's sold out. So it's not a level playing field. I mean, what is the average runner supposed to do? Go out and buy five $300 shoes each? Well, the whole point is the average runner is not going to be winning the Berlin Marathon, so it's pretty irrelevant, Robert. They're saying at the very top of the sport. For someone, like, I don't, for your mystery guy, maybe it isn't, but he's, I think the except, like, it. I, I, I don't want to sound like I don't care about the average runner, but I'm saying in terms of winning the very top of these marathons, those athletes are going to be able to get these shoes, whatever shoes. Well, let's change the wording. What's the average pro who wants to run in the best shoes supposed to do? Go out and buy five different ones and try them all out and all right. drop their sponsorship? Like, this is effing ridiculous. Like, we didn't used to worry about, like, what shoe you had on your foot. It's created a huge problem. They need to independently test these things. I mean, that that was my takeaway. Like, I think very few companies... I don't think I don't know of any company until this year. Well, Saucony, I guess, would have probably said Brooks sort of pretended... Um, but Adidas, I don't think they would have said on the re- that they had an equivalent shoe. And now that I think Adidas is like, look, we have an equivalent shoe. Jeff thought well of the Saucony shoe, but a lot of these other shoes people made are like, look, training these shoes. We're not saying this is a Nike. It's not equal. All right. We, I know that a lot of prominent people listen to this podcast. Let's put it out there right now. Let's make this a clip and send it out on Twitter so everybody sees it. If you're a shoe executive and you have a super shoe and you think it's as good as the Nike. Contact me right now, and I'll get it to my guy, Robert at Let'sRun.com. Email me. I'll get it out. We'll test it out. I think the, the, the answer is clearly they're not as good as the Nikes because if they were as good as the Nikes, we would have studies showing that they're better than the Nike. And the, the crazy thing about this is, this is what I was thinking about since, since we had an interview with Jeff, was think about this. If you go to a restaurant and, and, and you eat a piece of meat and it's got a tiny thing in it, you're banned. You're out. You're gone unless you can prove it. So you have to know what you're eating. Every single substance you eat, you better be a pain you're responsible for. Yet, here's a shoe that can cause 5% difference in performance. And we don't even know, the shoe companies do not even have to release what products are in the shoe, what foam they're using. It's absurd. There's no way for anyone to independently verify these things unless they have their own science lab. And as Jeff said, it probably costs over $100,000 to do a proper study. I was going to crowdfund it, but screw it. I'm not going to spend that type of money on it. I don't have that type of money, you know. Well, I, what I think, what about, what I'd like to see is Adidas, who seems to have a shoe that seems to be pretty competitive with it, based on the limited results we've seen. They need to do a head-to-head study, AlphaFly, Next Percent, and the Adios Pro, and see how they compare, and then release the study results. And the problem is, they're probably not going to release the study results if it shows that the Nike shoe's better. But my assumption is it's going to be pretty darn close. And then you release that and you're like, hey, at least those two shoes are on a level playing field moving forward. Well, that's the thing. And if you're a shoe exec and you think your shoe might be as good as Nike and you don't want me to embarrass you, contact me. I'll send the shoe to my guy. We'll test it. I will, I'll keep your name. If it's embarrassingly bad, I'll keep your name off it. I'll say, hey, we compared the Alpha Fly to another brand shoe and it was a blank difference. Because maybe for some, obviously, I mean, for, for a kid who candy, it has to be, I mean, what do we think he is, a 56-minute guy if he's wearing the Alpha Flies? So for some, I don't think so. I think he's, I, I think he's probably, close. I think he's about 57, 32 in both. I bet he's going to be right around the same in the Alpha Flies or the next percent. Yeah, the Adidas shoe, I mean, Jeff was just sort of speculating, but like, this is part of the thing also. You need to have it in with the top, top athletes. Because after results of these half marathons and stuff, people are like, holy shit, this Adidas shoe is better. Everybody goes out and buys that. And I was, that was one takeaway from the podcast that I was sort of surprised what He was like, oh, until like the Adidas shoe came out, like Saucony was doing the best. Well, Saucony doesn't sponsor any of the, the top foreign runners, really. So you would know that if you're not – so it's like it's both how good your shoe is and who you sponsor. And there's all these like confounding variables. So it's very hard for someone to des- decide – What's going on? You not only have to have like, you know, like the, the shoe, but the variable and all this other stuff. So this is my wish for the year 2021 was I said, I think shoe companies could have a lot of goodwill if they would just tell their athletes like, look, you can race in any shoe you want to. We won't hold it against you. We'll make it look like it's our shoe or we'll just tell people like we wouldn't care because, you know, a lot of these companies, they have really good, you know, even carbon plated shoes and they never even made the claim that they're trying to make a Nike competitor. So well, I think that's what more companies should do until there's more testing because 
that creates really a lot of goodwill, like with your brand. Like I care about my athlete's success more than anything else. Speaking of shoes, Jonathan, can I get a, a ruling? I just got a text from a buddy of mine, a guy that I used to coach at Cornell. He's probably down a little bit down today because he's from Pittsburgh. Now he's more a hockey fan than a football fan, but Pittsburgh losing to Cleveland, they can't be too. But he listened to the podcast last week, and he's so last summer my wife's she's a board member for the Red Cross. They put on a virtual 5K, John. That's when I ran 21 minutes low, and I beat his virtual time by like five seconds. But he since has found out that I was wearing the Hoka Carbon X's, and he, he heard Jeff say in the podcast that it's not really considered a super show because it doesn't have the foam, but it does have the carbon plate, and it might help me. And Ross has written me saying, I don't care what your fancy scientist said on the podcast. Everyone knows you cheated with your shoes in the virtual 5K this summer. John, does he have a fair claim? Did I cheat to beat my... I mean, you ran this time in 2020, Robert. These super shoes have been a thing since 2017. No, if you want, if you complain, if you're mad about, I guess maybe if he doesn't have access to any of these shoes, I assume he could have just ordered these shoes if he wanted. That's no, you're not cheating, Robert. You're you're in the clear. Yeah, the rules have been out there. I mean, the car, the Carbon X, full disclosure, Hoka, huge sponsor, like tremendous shoe, my favorite shoe that I run into, and I mean that this is a perfect example, right? Hoka had this great event last year, the Carbon X launch. And remember the time I was pushing them, like, is this equivalent to the Nike thing? And they're like, no, it's a different type of shoe. It's our shoe, but it's more durable. It's, you know, longer events. Hoka does the ultra stuff. Like, they weren't saying, like, on a road fucking, excuse my language, 10K, you know, it's, it's, we're not, we're trying to design something else here. So. Okay, John. So my my buddy Ross is, is, you know, we're signing up for the race. It's probably like 50 bucks. You get the t-shirt, you support the Red Cross. He's supposed to go out and buy a three hundred dollar pair of shoes to give fifty dollars to the Red Cross. I mean, they kind of defeat the purpose, right? Okay, yeah. I mean, but like, here's the thing. First of all, how much did you beat him by? Second of all, how much of a benefit are you even getting with a carbon rocket or carbon X of five k? Like five k versus a regular flat? I just don't think it's that much different. The bigger mistake was he was at his uh, uh, vacation at some lake house and he wasn't running where he normally ran, and he made a wrong turn. So his final mile and a half, he said, was completely uphill. It was probably a bigger mistake than not wearing the right shoes. I mean, this is, you know, this is the next 800 guy. I mean, are 800 guys really even runners? They're sort of pseudo runners, you know. 5K is like a marathon for him. It's 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 difficult. I I I my ruling, in my opinion, Robert, I think you're fine and you get the win. Okay, but guys, if you want to, gals, excuse me, guys and gals, if you want to race me in the virtual run, they're going to do another virtual race this summer, even if it's also in person. So. I'll be putting that out, I think, next week. Maybe. You can sign up now to race me in the virtual 5K. I think I'm going to bust 20 this year for sure. Okay, enough sh- shoe stuff. There is a thread where you can ask. Jeff Burns has been on this thread asking questions, and I did ask about you know, why regulate the stack height. And he said, look, well, one thing is sort of practical. If you put a limitation on the hot, taller the shoe, the more stuff you can put in it, and just the equations become more and more complex. And then another poster had this thing, and I sort of agree with this. Because one thing Jeff said is like, is it called pvax foam yes the third party makes that so any shoe company can use it so that seems fair to me but one poster said i think the rules that should have been put in place would be more around the technology mandating that no company can use a patented material that isn't available to other country companies or available at a fair market value for world athletics recognized events and that makes sense to me if if you want this shoe to be allowed in the olympics and this sort of stuff you have to make this technology available to everybody else or you, you can't use it. To me, that would preserve the integrity and fairness. And then other people could say, yeah, we want to put this technology. Here's a reasonable fee for it. Boom. That's what we need, actually. That's where we need to go with this. What, what do you mean? Nike doesn't have a patent on a part of the shoe. They have a patent on the plate shape. So could they patent Right. That? No. So we'll say, Nike, if you want to use this patented curvature of your plate, and that's an unfair advantage, a distinct advantage of everybody else, you have to make that available to the other shoe companies, or you cannot use it in a racing shoe that's used at a World Athletics event. That's What's fair. What's the point of innovating, then? If you have to make these breakthroughs, and then you don't get credit for it? Like, the whole point of these research teams is they are coming up to create the best shoe possible. And then as soon as they come up with some groundbreaking discovery, they have to give it to everyone else for free? I think that's a bit absurd. John, it's about the integrity of the sport. It's like you, you, some racing cars, you know, they race in like similar cars. It's like, I don't know, what do you want running to be about? Well, he said it's interesting to go back. We should have had him go back himself and tell us more of the interesting results. But I think 
L.A. Kipchoge clearly loses to Gaia Adole. He's not as viewed as, un, as unbeatable as he is now. Galen Rupp probably doesn't have a Olympic medal in the marathon, although he still might have done it because he's a minute over fourth. Shailene Flanagan may not have ever won the New York City Marathon. Oh my God, Robert, 2021. I thought I thought we cured you of your Shailene Flanagan pronunciation issues. Shailene Flanagan? I don't know. Yeah, there we go. Good job. I mean, clearly she's been retired and she's been out of the sport for too long. Robert has lapsed. He's not talking about her enough. Shailene, very good. Let's talk about, there was another indoor track race that I wanted to talk about. It was held at a collegiate place. It was held at Clemson University, which I thought was had canceled their track team. I guess they haven't quite canceled it yet. Natalia Goal, one of the top 800-meter runners in the world, has run the 800 and 126.8. Oh, my God. Stop the presses. That's the fastest any human has ever run, man or woman. 126. How is this not a black page for a month, Robert? Oh, she's run this for 600, John. Oh, okay. You scared me for a second there. She had a super shoe. Really good super shoe. Yes. So, anyways, I just thought it was kind of interesting that the college is going to be soon canceling. It's, I guess they're only canceling men's track, right? So the fact that they had a women's track. But in case you're wondering, 126.8. She actually always runs at 600. Um, the fastest she's ever run at this time. According to John Kellogg, our coaching and stacker, multiply by 1.4, you end up with 201. And they also, last week, had a race in Ethiopia. The great Ethiopian run had been postponed from its normal November date to January 10th. 9,000 runners took place. Now, they had three waves of 3,000 each. That's great. I mean, great Ethiopian run. They flew me out one year. It's an amazing event. It's just a total party for however long it takes you to run 10K at altitude. But... I've said this for a while. I would feel comfortable running a mass race outside right now. I mean, everyone's different. But to see that, you know, 9,000 runners and COVID hasn't been nearly as bad in Africa. I think people are trying to figure out if it's an age thing or immunity from other diseases. I think we're going to slowly start seeing more stuff like this as the vaccine rolls out. And even Governor Cuomo in New York said, like, we got to start opening up again. So uh, I personally, I feel very comfortable being outdoors. So I think it's cool to see. Some big road races coming back. I mean, we had one in, I think we had the Taipei Marathon last couple weeks ago, but (laughs) Taipei really doesn't have COVID, so they could probably have as many people as they wanted. John, I guess while we're on it, there's a thread this week, and we have even saw an article, I think it was in the Telegraph, saying the Olympics should be postponed or canceled. There's a thread on Let's Run, John, your neck of the woods. It's funny, when I see stuff, I just want to like deny it and pretend people aren't thinking like this. But Boston Marathon 2021, what are the odds it even happens? I think it's 50-50 or maybe 40%, 30% that it actually happens. Like I, I am not that confident. What? They have not named a date for this event. I, I read the thread and I, look, I'm just thinking through. Massachusetts, the restrictions here are still fairly strict. You're not allowed outside without a mask on. They haven't come up with a date at all for this race. I I don't know. I I would bet that it doesn't happen. That's my su- suspicion as of now. Okay, I'm so shocked. I was going to say like 95%. Like, what? Robert, what do you have to say? Yo, go realize it's not going to be in the spring. I know. But they haven't, like, all the other ra- races that aren't going to be in the spring. Like, London has already said we're having it on October 3rd. Or Tokyo said they're going to have it in the fall, you know? They're the Boston Marathon. They they said, "Oh, we're going to announce a date." Well, it's now 2021. We still don't have a date in mind. And you got a lot of different. You, you know, this isn't just one city. It's a bunch of towns in Massachusetts. I I don't know. My my suspicion, if I had to guess, right now, January 13th, 2021, I would say we're not. If we're going to have a Boston Marathon, it's not. It's going to be either elite only, or it won't happen. I don't think they'll do elite only. My guess is it won't happen, but I certainly think it could. But I would say more than a 50% chance it doesn't happen. I, I just don't understand this. Like, why in the hell wouldn't it be, be happening? I, I, like, by that point, anyone in America who wants the vaccine will have been able to get it. So I, I, I said this all along. There was no reason to have a lockdown. There was no reason to do any of this unless you're getting the vaccine. Because eventually, if, if there's no vaccine, if there's no way to, to mitigate this disease, it's going to be around forever and we might as well just get used to it be as safe as we can, but, you know, are we going to cancel all races for the rest of our lives? Hell no. So, I mean, in 1918, the Spanish flu came by and they they just got about their lives because they didn't have any other option. Like, this is insane. Like, 
Will the flu, will the COVID still exist in the, in the fall? Yes, it will. Because you get the vaccine, that does not mean you're not going to get COVID. It's, you know, maybe it's 95% effective, but that's for people who have a good immune response. We don't know what the response rate is going to be for the elderly. Could be less. Some people are speculating, but still it's going to be there. But I don't know. You, you, you've had the option to get the vaccine. You have the option not to go to the damn race. That's absurd. If, if Boston's not held. Robert, I just want to say, this isn't based on any conversations I've had. This is just my gut. That, like, I am speculating here, I'll admit. But I'm just saying, why haven't they, they haven't announced a race date yet? Why? Well, that's hard. I can see why the race date, they got to shut down the streets and they're not used to doing it that time of year. And that's they're true. trying to figure it out. And I, I, I just, I couldn't believe that a lot of people think like you, John. I'm just saying the, the restrictions here in Massachusetts, they're still quite strict. We're, we're a ways away from opening things up back to pre-pandemic levels. And I know now maybe if you say back to November, if you're having this after New York, you know, maybe that's more reasonable. But the original last year when they postponed Boston Marathon, they were going to postpone it until September. You know, that's still eight months away from now. But. I don't know. I haven't. I haven't seen many positive signs towards having Boston. I guess there's the vaccine. Assuming everyone gets the vaccine by then. But I'm just going with my gut. This is. I'm kind of speculating here, but that's kind of how I'm feeling. It's sort of fascinating, like John, to, that you're giving us this insight because it really does depend on sort of like where you are. Because I finally traveled for the first time a couple of weeks ago. Went down to Texas, and. I don't know. I thought from the media that COVID would be treated very differently than it is in Connecticut. I felt actually it was it was like very the same. Then I went to New York City this past weekend, was walking around, and you know there everyone like walking outdoor mask. Whereas here, like I, I'm in a smaller town in Connecticut, I can avoid people. It's probably now I don't know what percent mask outside, maybe fifty. But I'm I'm definitely on the more on the Robert side of things because it really we are very fortunate that this vaccine got here. Big picture, like because otherwise at some point like what will we be waiting for? But I think by the, maybe another month, most of the old people will probably have the vaccine. And then we go on from there. And at some point, you know, even like you're seeing it now with New York Cuomo, it's, we can't stay shut down forever. Robert, there was some reason to like delay the spread and so our facilities could deal with it. But I think come next summer, what are we going to be waiting for? And I, that's why I think with COVID, we've been very short term all along. I'm very optimistic. We're going to have a Boston Marathon and an Olympics. Right now, I'm like freaking out by these people saying, oh, don't have the Olympics. Okay, guys, to return to shoes real briefly, uh, I just, there was a tweet by Nick Willis that caught my eye last week. And it was as follows. He said, okay, I'm a believer in the new spike tech. Ran two seconds faster than expected for a time trial tonight. Wore the New Balance version that everyone has been tearing it up in. He said, my first time doing anything of significance in the new foam plate combo that has been helping people shatter PRs and records. And... You know, Nick, he used to be with Reebok, then he was with Adidas. Now he's tracksmith. He's quote-unquote, you know, turning amateur. So he can wear whatever spikes he wants. He tries the New Balance, and he's sort of, this is something that we've talked about before, that we could see some just ridiculous times on the track, because it sounds like Nike and now New Balance both have these super spikes. And his comment, he had to reply to one of his followers, I've been racing at this level for 20 years and I don't think my spikes from 2000 were any slower than my ones from last year. My 2000 Jusaris were probably the best spikes I've worn till now. But there has been a big jump in tech the last 18 months for spikes. It's not linear. So we have discussed this. I don't know if there's anything else we need to add on this, but just be prepared for some very fast distance times in 2021. Well, Jeff said it himself. He expects this year to be for the track what like 2017, 2018 was for the roads and... To me, it's an elaborate ploy by Nike to make Mo Farah the GOAT. What's the big hole in his resume? No fast times. Now, if a world record's meaningless because you or I, John, could go out and get one. Oh, I, I just, I don't know. This is getting depressing for me. Hold on, Robert. This is, this is one of the greatest conspiracy theories I've ever heard, is that Mo Farah is aren't gonna, isn't going to be able to break any world records. So the way that Nike can make sure he's the GOAT is... Make times utterly meaningless. Just focus on medals and accomplishments and winning races. And if you eliminate times, Mo Farah's the goat. This this is crazy like a fox. This is so this is brilliant, Robert. John, if you haven't looked, we're in the era of conspiracy theory. I think COVID is making conspiracy theories way worse. People love conspiracy theories. I mean, I took a class on it in college, but 
COVID, people are just locked in their house and they're not getting out. That's why we need these running events. Boston, don't you dare think about canceling. If you cancel, there'll be it could be people going even crazier. There's a few things I want to talk about. I was re-listening to last week's podcast, and I realized I forgot one of the key points I wanted to make. We made some bold predictions, John, for the Olympics. And at the end, I said Christian Coleman would come back and win 100-meter gold. But my big, bold prediction for the women, I don't think I made this. I'm pretty sure I didn't. I didn't quite get through the whole. Are you ready, John, on the women's side? Safan Hassan should and will run the 1,500, 10,000, 5,000 triple at the Olympics. Very doable. It's not very doable. I've already told you, you have a 1,500, 5K race. The 1,500, 5K alone, you have to run two races on the same day. Yes, as I said, it's not hard for her to run a 1,500-meter prelim the day of the 5,000-meter final. Then she runs to the 1,500 rounds, wrecks everybody, maybe loses to Faith Kipiagon, but then comes back and wins 10,000 gold at the end of the Olympics. If she wins three, she's an all-time group. If she wins two... You know, the average person has forgotten about her within a week of the Olympics. Wait, so we, actually now we need to go back to, to Doha. Who was wearing the super spikes in Doha? Who wasn't? Right? I mean, like, let's start thinking about this. Ooh. Top three, women's 1500. Shelby got fourth without wearing the super spikes behind Hassan, who was uh, some version of the super spikes, I'm guessing. Kippy gone as well. I... Is Gudoff Sagai, she might be an Adidas athlete, though. I need to check that real quick. I mean, I had this thought on a run this week. Did Shelby Houlihan, this may sound crazy to you guys, did Shelby Houlihan leave a world record on the table this year at that meet by not wearing Super Spike when she ran the 5K? She would have had to run 12 seconds faster at that point because the world record was 14-12. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. But no, it's not that much of a difference. I don't, I don't think so. But a second per lap, that would be like the super shoe. Just putting it out there. As John looks that up, I apologize for everyone for the COVID and shoe talk. Hopefully, the COVID talk goes away, but that was the guessing game on last week's podcast. But while John thinks this, everybody pause, go to Apple Podcast. As I'm apologizing, you still need to click the five star review and leave a review. Or you can email us at pod at letsrun.com. But please, take a minute. Give us a review. Actually, spread the podcast to your friends. Spread the podcast to your friends. The number one podcast for running and track and field news. By the way, here's what the schedule would be like for the 1500, 5K, 10K, triple at the Olympic Games. So day one, you would have women's 5,000 heats. Day four, you've got the women's 1500 heat in the morning. You've got the final in the evening. Then you get a rest day. The semifinal of the 1500 is on day six. Another rest day. Then day eight, you've got the 1500 final. Day nine, you have the 10,000 final. So actually, it is more doable than I thought. You do have that one race, one day, day four, where you have two races. But other than that, You've got a day after the, you've got two days after the five k heats. You've got a day after the fifteen hundred, you know, prelim five k final. You've got a day after the fifteen hundred semifinal. You do have a very tough double at the end with the fifteen hundred final and ten k final. The last two days, but I don't know if you're going to design a schedule to have all three. That is somewhat doable. And also, let's say she's going to double. Which double do you think she tries? She's only going to double. 5K, 10K. I guess, yeah, never mind. I was forgetting that. Because I'm like, oh, 15.5 isn't that easy, and 15.10 isn't that easy. So my, I don't think adding the 10 at the end is much harder, but you're right. Yeah, 5K, 10 on its own is very doable. But if she's thinking 15.5, you might as well just sign up for the 10K as well. It's it's like an all-covers meet, you know, just... You can decide to do it after the fact. Well, actually, Devlin's probably aren't going to have three entrants on the 10K anyway, so... Yeah, I would just, just enter and see what the hell. So, John, I have looked it up. Gudaf Sagay is an Adidas athlete. But I want to talk about something that it was my favorite message board throughout the week. There wasn't a lot of action. So I got a real chuckle on this. Anonymous posters started the following thread. Who did it better? Pre-4th in the 72 Olympics versus Jacob 5th. 
And it just made me laugh. This is Let's Run Humor at its finest because, you know, Steve Prefontaine is one of the most hyped-up runners of all time, even though he never won an Olympic. As is Jacob Ingebrigtsen. He's the modern-day equivalent of Pre. I know he's run fast. He probably will win a medal, but it was pretty pretty clever, I thought. Well, yeah, they're comparing one race. This was the 5K at Worlds in 2019. And yes, Jacob did do sort of a similar thing to Pre, but considering that he... Oh, yeah, and they both went for gold and didn't yeah, get it. Yeah, went for gold and ended up out of the medals. Um, but I think it's interesting. You know, he's, Jacob was also, what, 19? He just turned 19 when he did that. So, yeah, he's, he's going to win some medals, I'm pretty sure. It is fun. Remember, he was like the favorite for that race. We were sort of talking about the betting favorites. So like going into the 5,000 meter world championships in 2019, Jacob Ingebrigtsen, a 19 year old from Norway, was the favorite in the men's 5,000. I mean, it's pretty crazy that that happened. But we didn't think he was the favorite. I think he could have made the chance. He was. I don't. I didn't think Edris was the favorite. I thought Edris had done. He had done nothing, and he comes in, and that was a huge surprise that he won. Now. We didn't even mention it. Could you imagine, Robert, if Edris decides he wants to become a legend, he steps up to the 10K and adds his name into that. He tries to do the 10K, 5K double at the Olympics this year. Because we got to give this guy more credit. He's the two-time defending champion. He's the Mo Farah slayer. He threw the Mobot down in London. I mean, I, I was like, why are people more excited about him going up against Kip Limo and Cheptegei in the 5K and 10K? All right, one piece of news I want to address... Uh, came out, it was reported this week that Kenya is interested in bidding for the 2025 World Championships. Would you guys be excited to go to a World Championships in Kenya in 2025? Okay. This is like a trick question, John. The World Cross Country Champs in Mombasa in 2007 are number one event I think I've been to. It was crazy. It was unbelievable. I will go to the World Track Championships wherever they're held. Would I be excited to go to Kenya? No. I've already been there. I don't. Nairobi doesn't excite me at all. Oh, I'd be really excited. I'd much, I'd much rather go there than some boring European city. It's true. The fans would be really good. Like I'm just trying to think, like you know, outside of the track when I'm there. Nairobi's not that great, but then yeah, I could do it like safari or, or go up to E10 or something afterwards. So maybe it'd be better. Just hanging out in Nairobi for like nine days isn't that exciting, but. Kenyan sports fans, they take it to another level. Can you imagine the crowds and shit just like going crazy and yelling? Like, so actually, I'm, maybe I should take that back. I prefer if it was in Ethiopia, John, because I've never been there. But, you know, it's all about putting in interesting cities for me. All uh, world athletics. Uh, sorry, Robert Johnson has already been to Kenya. We need to go to Ethiopia instead. But one thing I was thinking about when we were talking about will Boston be held? I am getting nervous that they're going to have the Olympic trials without fans at Hayward Field. And do you think there's any chance that, I mean, I can't imagine they try to pull this off, but that's going to be a big financial hit for USATF if they don't have fans? Did somebody just cancel the trials and name a team? Well, is, is it a big USATF financial hit, or is it would it be a big hit for Tracktown USA and the group that funds it? Well, that'd be interesting. I don't know how the fa- the yeah. finances break down, but I feel like USATF sort of gets the the TV contract. That's more like, I feel like they, I don't know, someone who knows more about this needs to break it down, but my sense is USATF would still get the TV money, whereas Tracktown USA, they sort of depend on the ticket revenue. And that's the, the by far like the biggest ticket revenue meet in this country is the Olympic trials every four years. So that would be a real bummer to not have fans there. In June? Like, I don't know. I, I guess we're already limited because we already picked this place. But, like, the Rose Bowl, so, were they not going to even hold the Rose Bowl with fans? And they said, fine, we're moving it to Texas. We moved it to Texas. And it's funny. I think they had less capacity at the Rose Bowl than they did in Texas than they did for Cowboys games. Cowboys were getting 28,000. I think the Rose Bowl had, like, 20 or under. But by June with a vaccine, we can't have fans. Like, we've been having sporting events with fans. Like, some epidemiologists study it and – show but like once uh, this vulnerable portion of the population has been vaccinated and can be even more safe like i just don't know why we can't have fans then well the- like i think let's 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 look forward two months the problem is there's a lag and everything right let's say for the vulnerable COVID's much safer by march 
but when will that be reflected in data? When will they say, okay, we, you can't buy tickets, that sort of stuff? The question is, will they? Will the society and the media still be obsessed with COVID cases when we get to May and June, or will they just be, or will they smartly only be focused on the serious illnesses and deaths? I was reading an interesting article from a doctor with several thousand words about the vaccines and would he take the vaccine? Which vaccines would he take? And stuff like this. First of all, not everyone's going to be vaccinated by June. They haven't even tested the vaccine on kids yet. I mean, our kids, he's like, it's not a big deal because kids really don't get sick with COVID. But I think that COVID will still be around in decent numbers in June. And July. But, you know, if no one's really, if it's just young people getting it, first of all, a lot of young people have already gotten it. So they're not really getting sick. I hope people can see past the numbers. But I don't know. Oh, yeah. Once a bunch of people are vaccinated and they're not dying in, in huge numbers, like, We'll readjust. People aren't stupid, I don't think. I hope they're not. And who knows? Like, I asked mom and dad, like, hey, did they tell you about side effects? And they're like, we don't care. Like, old people are lining up left and right. Like, this thing saves their lives. So the most vulnerable people aren't going to be worrying about stuff. Kids taking it? Yeah, they'll run tests on it. But that's months down the road. Right, I think we've had far too much COVID talk on this episode. We need, I mean, we need Trap Meets back to talk about the results because right now, uh, I don't know. But Folks... Come back next week. We can talk about Jonathan's dating life. I've gotten emails from women that are willing to go on dates with him, etc. Wait, no, we need the email. I heard I had, there was an email that mentioned me. It wasn't a woman, you know, going off to romantic affections, but it was about my hot take last week on the Hakone Ekaden. Can we read that off, please? While Walton looks for that, I will say that Cathal Dennehy wrote a great article on the Hakone and why it's a popular sporting event. He wrote it for World Athletics. It's an amazing article about how this event mesmerizes the Japanese nation. So we will link to that in the show notes. Because in case you guys didn't listen to last week's podcast, Jonathan said that he was not a fan of Ekadens. He can't imagine watching a sporting event for 11 hours. And he found them to be boring, even though he's never watched one. In response to those comments well then got an email yes the email of the week it's from justin h he says dear jonathan i know you dissed academics in general and hakone specifically but having discovered hakone on a visit to japan eight years ago and getting swept in it i thought you'd like my experience my advice don't overthink it it is awesome and we're all better off when 40 million people are watching a running event so there you have it, John. One, I'm kind of fascinated by this email. I guess if I was in a foreign country, like, does this guy speak Japanese? You know, if I just turned on, if I had to go to Japan and I turned on this thing and running's on for two straight days on TV and they're talking in a language I don't know, I guess I could get swept in, up into it. But the announcers really make sporting events a lot better. Yeah, no, I think Japan in general, they do actually a great job of broadcasting the events. They'll have splits and they get really into it. I mean, we don't, it's not ideal because I don't speak Japanese, but look, I can get, if I grew up watching, if this was just the big thing that happened on sports every year and like that was what everyone in the country watched, I'm sure I would get swept up in it. But to me from afar, I just think we have a, a what I think is a more exciting format, which is cross country or just like a straight road race. One thing about the the that I really Maybe. like and hadn't thought about until I read this dinner. Yeah, I just think for college cross country specifically, I and think this is one of the appeal reasons why the Japanese find it appealing is than an academic. In NCAA cross country and the average cross country meet, one or two people can bomb and do terrible and you still do fine. And academic, if anyone screws up, the entire team is screwed. So there's no room for error. I like that. What do you mean? In cross country, if you bomb, what are you talking about? If you if you pull a Jenny Simpson, how is it any different? You one guy runs they, they bad leg, the top guy you. runs better and overcompensates. In the academic, if you drop out, your team is eliminated from the competition immediately on the spot. So, the year that the Georgetown male runner left the course at NCA cross country, I saw him do this and then came back okay. onto the course, walked to the finish line to give Georgetown a score. That would not probably be tolerated in the academic. Your team would have been booted out for the. Oh, actually, they would have been booted out because they already had two DNFs on top of that. So, um, I thought it was interesting. You have to be a little bit more conservative because if you go for broke and blow up, it really hurts your team. Well, I guess it hurts your team if you're if you're expected to be. A- I think that's interesting though because in 
I think you would see a different outcome in cross-country races if they knew that was the case. If they knew that if they totally bombed or blew up, that they wouldn't... But that was a great email score. by Justin. Justin. Probably wouldn't see as many I think, we should, I think maybe we should give the emailer or, or the caller of the week running, the fake gamer up, fake Alberta. We need to hear from head you. And, and if you call back, we'll give you a free T-shirt. So if you want a T-shirt, email, call the show. I think, Weldon, do you think I should do that? Assuming you're in the U.S. If you're overseas, you're going to have to pay for the shipping, buddy. I'm not, I'm not dropping 20 bucks on the shipping. So email me. All right. Justin, you get the free T-shirt. And if you're still, we should reward people still listening through this podcast. This week only, use the code WEJO. We'll give you 20% off T-shirts. WEJO. W-E-J-O. And also, when I heard Robert talking there, did I hear a, a sniff? I wasn't sure, actually. I was kind of distracted looking at something else. I want our visitors who are still listening. When Robert does that, it's like he says something kind of uncomfortable or he sort of kind of challenges the person. He doesn't know how to do it, so he kind of sniffles a lot. So I want people to be aware of that. Related to that, it's just great. You can look like the Jeff Burns interview, there's one or two. Sometimes I edit, edit them out. Maybe I shouldn't be allowed to do Anyone that. Anyone playing poker edit. with Robert? You've been warned. That we've, we've found a tell. <laughs> the There's no deleted thread of the week. There's no good ones. People are just way too some trolls and stuff about some of this political stuff are embarrassing. But you read a thread sometimes, and I don't even have to look at the poster and know who it is. And this one was done under his own name. This is our thread of the week. It's a good thing Galen Rupp isn't Norwegian. Did you know altitude chambers are banned in Norway? Like, I think that so that had been put on the homepage, and I'm like, oh, that's a Robert thread. And sure enough, you click through and started by Rojo. So it's like illegal, like for sports? Like, that is kind of surprising. How do they police it? Can you can you leave Norway? Can you go to Sweden and, and sleep in an altitude tent? Or like it's just if they find out you're an altitude tent, you're a Norwegian citizen, you're banned. Is Sandre Moen allowed? Is is going to Kenya to train? Is that legal or what's what's the same effect? Right, Roger. Do you care to defend yourself? I was barely listening to what y'all were talking about about me starting threads, and you can oh the Galen Rupp thread. Well, first of all, with a sniffle, I say that when I say something that's like kind of said just to get, I, I'm, I'm being, I'm just saying the argument intellectually trying to get a response from people to rile people up or if I'm saying something arrogant. Um, but for Galen Rupp, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. Like this is, I, I didn't realize that altitude tents were banned in the country. And then I thought, what's popular? Galen Rupp is popular. I'll get a bigger response if I mention Galen Rupp. So I guess people call that trolling. I'm trying to get clicks, but I thought it was an interesting topic. Uh, look, part of the job of the media is to entertain. It's to be to ask interesting questions and do so in a way that people find entertaining. I mean, people are bored. They're listening to the podcast on their run, whatever. I guess they're not reading the internet on their run, but I just thought it was a good way to pose that question. And hey, it worked. Ro- Weldon not only clicked on the thread. He brought it up on the on the podcast. So, Robert, I, I commend you. Your clickbait clearly worked in this instance. So, if you want a free shirt, call the show, 844-LET'S-RUN, extension 7, leave a voicemail. Oh, maybe Ryan Hill will leave a fake Jerry Schumacher voicemail. We could play that for next week. Fake Alberto, fake Galen. We need voicemails because, let's face it, we don't have many big-time trap meets coming up anytime soon. So... I hope you guys check the voicemail every week. I assume I, I don't know. You never met like have we had have we really not had any voicemails since like last year? You guys never mention them anymore. We had a bunch when we first started doing this in 2019. Oh no, for sure Robert doesn't check a lot because then I'll go check and there'll be some in there and they're outdated and that sort of stuff. Or you know we don't just because you leave a voicemail doesn't mean we put you on the air. Some of them are just sort of informative points. So no, they're definitely not checked and I didn't check before this podcast started okay new year's resolution also yeah we need more stuff i i I did an interview with robert brandt he's known as the most famous eighth place finisher in america and the guy who talks shit to the tenement elite i did this before christmas and i have no to do with it i will release that this week on the main podcast but i wasn't sure what to do with it i meant to do something earlier so that'll give you guys some extra content this week if you got any ideas for the podcast this winter, for sure, email us, pod at letsrun.com. All right, guys, we should wrap this up. I mean, Brighton's getting ready to beat Manchester City in the Premier League, so got to stay tuned for that one. Uh, Weldon's favorite player, maybe. I mean, we have some breaking news here, Robert, Weldon, right before we leave, right? 
Yes, thank you, John. Thank you. This started right before the podcast, and I will not allow John to use the words that I I was so excited. This is the best news I have heard, but this shows what sports can do and why we need sports to continue on, especially professional sports, and why it's been a blessing to have football go on, college football go on, I guess NBA starting back up, whatever. I have a man crush on a soccer player named Dwight Gale. He got me involved with the Premier League. He played for a team, Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace is my team. Dwight Gale is my player. I Google Dwight Gale, still see what he's doing. Anyway, I just did Dwight Gale, see what's up, because he hasn't been getting much playing time with Newcastle. Dwight Gale may move to Crystal Palace. This would be sports heaven for me. I will be so excited next year if this is the case. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But that just shows, like, what sports can do. It makes no sense. This is some... I barely even knew anything about soccer, and I love this. Like, it gives us an outlet. It gives us relief. John, since I don't follow soccer, would this kind of be the equivalent of, like, Tony Romo going back to the Dallas Cowboys, like a mediocre player coming back to, like, a below-average below football? T- Tony Romo is light years better than Crystal than uh, Dwight Gale, <laughs> Robert. It would be like, who, who's, Tony, who's his backup? It would be like Quincy Carter coming back or something. Taylor Haneke going back to the Vikings. So, vaccines are going in arms, people. Keep your head up. 2021 is getting better. Till next week, everyone.